0: This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com.
1: Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. You want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer.
2: Yeah, what's wrong with
3: the beer we got?
1: Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt.
0: And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we're talking with Victory Brewing Company. I am Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Ryan Hewitt.
3: Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Victory Brewing co-founders Ron Barche and Bill Kovaleski. We're going to talk about a quarter of quarter century of brewing and monkey business, classic beers, beers with a purpose, the all-new brotherly love, hazy IPA, and you uh, maybe some explosive other topics.
0: Other too. topics, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah,
4: yeah. Guys,
3: thanks for joining us.
4: Very welcome. Thank you for your hospitality. Yes,
0: thanks. So, what's in your glass, Bill? Are you enjoying a cold one
4: this evening? I have some Dirt Wolf on deck. Okay, I just was uh, getting myself a little bit hydrated before that, so I'll get into the Dirt Wolf soon. All right,
2: all right, Ron. How about you? I have a little bit of homebrew ready to drink. Homebrew.
0: We're gonna talk about that later, Ron. I figure we gotta we gotta do some homebrew talk there. So definitely, definitely. Always love that. Brian and I discussed this, our first topic coming into the show, if we wanted something so abrasive coming in, but we said, we're going to go with it. We're going to go with it. We saw that you Mm -hmm. actually had an explosion at one of your tap rooms, your Kennett Square tap room in January. We want to know, how is everyone? Uh, Are you doing okay? Did you get it figured out?
4: Well, you know, a fire is a very unfortunate thing, but we're very fortunate in that none of our team members were on site. So we had no injuries. And the facility is actually in a three-story apartment complex. And the good news is that everybody, all of our neighbors in the community, had a little bit of foreshadowing of something was going down. And and they all got themselves out. So absolutely no injuries.
3: No
0: injuries. Oh, that's
3: really good news. Yeah.
0: What happened that the neighbors had a foreshadowing there? What was the
4: the culprit? Uh, Some electrical disturbances were noted by them. Okay. They got themselves together and decided to skedaddle. Let's get out of here. The, and and they, they, it was just and like a power the explosion. surge, maybe? Oh, and, was then an then explosion. The explosion. and then the
3: explosion. And so, then the explosion. So, was it basically just a power surge that made something go off effectively?
4: Well, you know, we're not trying to withhold any information from you and the listeners, but there is an investigation, um, oh, which actually okay. the fire marshal had uh, anticipated we'd have results the last week of April and then notified us that they were looking at June resolution.
0: You. oh wow yeah we touched on a hotter topic than we realized yeah there, bro, <laughs> wow so. I, I didn't realize we'll it was a hot new too.
3: story from yeah. january i thought at this point so how soon do you figure that uh, tap room is going to be open is it open already or
4: no it's not our kitchen sustained the most damage and the apartments directly above it it was kind of a localized fire so there's areas there's apartments and really areas of our first floor space that were more or less untouched but a little bit of smoke um but again, until the investigation is complete, no one's in the facility, and we can't even, you know, plan the build out, the rebuild at this point.
0: That's what I wondered when you. Oh, wow! When you said that there was a an investigation, I'm like, I bet they can't reopen. If they're investigating there, they can't be in there. So that's correct. That's right. correct. Well, so big that big loss for the out. community,
4: but uh, you know, all of our folks in the facility have relocated. Hopefully, to get some of them back, they all had renters insurance, so. I think the story is about as good as it can – the situation is as good as it can be. Okay, given well, the that's circumstances. good. That's
3: yeah, from good. the sound of it, nobody was actually hurt, which is amazing no. considering. So that's yeah. that's actually really good news. So yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great to hear. Hopefully they get, they get it all wrapped up for you soon and you can get that back open. Get it figured out, sure enough. That's the aim. Well, Tim, I think it's time for us to get into the beers of the week.
1: Now it's time for our beers of the week. Brought to you by The Nest. Craft beer and barbecue in downtown Kennesaw, Georgia.
0: thenestkennesaw.com. Brian, as you may have guessed, we have a great list of beers to sample today. We've got uh, Victory Brewing is on deck yes. here. So we are currently drinking the Brotherly Love Hazy IPA, which we will talk about more in depth in just a bit. We've also got some Sour Monkey to get into. Mm. And Brian, I think you broke out a hashtag drink your cellar.
3: That's right. Beer, I, I have a. You? 750 of Sour Monkey from April 30th of 2015, Sweet. and I have no idea how it's going to be or how it will compare to the other ones. So uh, that's going to be yeah. a little bit of a wild card. But uh, it's been waiting for a moment like this to open. Some beers wait a lifetime for a moment. Like they this do. Time. They yes. do.
0: So how how does sir? How is vintage Sour Monkey doing? As uh, a like six year, how should we be looking there?
4: Well, I will tell you, we're really looking forward to your impressions of it. Okay, right? you're okay. the boss here. We'll um, get it then. All the monkeys age well.
3: Well, that's good. That's good. Has the process of making that particular sour, has it changed a lot over the years or is it pretty much the same thing, just different formats in terms of bottling?
2: Oh, I'd say that we've refined the process over the years. It's a tricky beer because it has a high gravity, of course, high alcohol, and with the the level of acidity that's sort of required to strike the right balance, it can be tricky to get all the variables right. So... Really, it's been more a refinement of the process of making it such that we're more consistently hitting the proper specifications, which, believe it or not, it's such a strong, a beer like that, it's very important that you balance that acidity with the sweetness or the residual gravity of the beer. And so I would say the the most that's changed is just figuring out ways to make that more consistent process. And it's been a journey, but a good one. What was the first
0: year for Sour Monkey?
2: I think that would have been maybe the the bottle that you have, 2015. Okay, all right. Uh, It was very
3: popular at the time. It was one of those ones where you got to grab that up. There was a couple of other ones, like a... I can't, I can't it remember. always showed up at bottle yeah, shares. Yeah. People
0: are always looking forward to open those. Back in the
3: days yeah. of all the special beers were always seven fifty cork and cage, and I believe that's what this one is. So uh, I'm still yeah. a fan of those. I'm still <laughs> yeah.
0: a fan of the old cork I
3: like and the seven fifty cork and cage. I really do. I, yeah. I miss those. So that seems yeah.
0: to be a hot debate, but uh mm-hmm. what do you guys think of those those large format bottles, corks and cages and all that?
4: We jumped in feet first in 2002 when we got our new Cronus bottling line. We treated ourselves to a uh, pretty expensive bell and whistle in order to do the cork and cage 750s because at the time it was a real opportunity to stretch beers out and um, allow them to be aged so that we can have different flavor impressions and experiences over time. But um, as a trend, it's really sort of unfortunately fallen by the wayside yeah. uh, you can see a corked and caged beer museum in, in many retail stores and the formats have changed right right That's yeah.
3: you can see a museum in my beer closet that's
4: too. right i'm a big fan
3: the retail shops that i like that do that i like that i'm like oh they've seller aged it for me right so i don't even have that's to worry right. about going that. There. pre-aged
0: <laughs> yeah we had a period cool. here where we were getting jolly pumpkin and then they quit distributing here and there was one little bottle shop near me that still had quite a few of their beers and no one else was buying them because I, I live kind of out in the suburbs where that's not so much a thing. So I used it kind of my personal beer cellar. That's actually. right. <laughs> and I they got down to where they had about eight bottles left, and they moved them into the cooler. And I went in there one day to get one. They're all gone. And I'm like, yep. Somebody,
4: somebody found it. Somebody else found it. Yep. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Sharing means caring. That's it. That's it.
3: <laughs>
0: well, Brian, I think we've got just a little bit of time. You want to tell us what's happening in the news?
3: What's in the news? The beer guys have the scoop.
2: Extra, extra,
3: Time for headlines. So, if it seems like beer has gotten a little more expensive lately, you're right. Brewbound tells us the average price of a case of beer has gone up $1.32. This based on IRI market data through April 18th of this year. But the interesting thing about it is, it's generally not because breweries have raised uh, case prices. Off premise sales have been so good during the pandemic that nearly all discounting at various tiers and distribution have been discontinued. So uh, all the discounts that were built into the system are now gone. You're getting gone. The, the full retail price the whole way through. So uh, the price is even higher for cider, which is up a $1.72 a case on average. Interestingly, AB InBev's Wicked Weed Pernicious IPA is down the most uh, in terms of beers per case. A dollar forty five per case down, but they're expanding, so I think they're trying to. Well, that's win over that some big conference. beer money. That's, that's big, that beer, big money. beer money taking care of Trying that. to, yeah, they've expanded. They're trying to get more people like to get into it. So that's that's what that's all about. I think they've Mississippi parts of the South. So I think some of those high wicked weed prices aren't going to sell too well in some of those parts. So yeah, you know I don't sense. know. I've
0: seen a lot of talk about it, especially you know pernicious and that. I see more and more people talking. So it's you know obviously as they reach out. They People have been pushing that
3: hard. I see pernicious a lot of places, but uh, yeah, I don't actually drink it. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> just do they make it up your guys' way yet? You get wicked weed up there?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I figured and they were stretching. Definitely, there. price yeah. is one of the levers that breweries can pull, right? Yes. In order to gain some market share, so no surprises.
0: No, not really surprised. Well, you are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Victory Brewing.
1: Forged with a reverence for tradition and new styles that start a revolution. Ironmonger Brewing. The brewers at Ironmonger Brewing pride themselves at being masters of barrel aged, poppy, and sour beers. They invite you to their tap room in Marietta, Georgia to taste and see. Also visit their barrel room for an intimate drinking experience with great live entertainment. Keep up to date on all things Ironmonger by liking them on Facebook. Ironmonger Brewing. Establishing a new standard in craft beer. the beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram next friday is hawaiian shirt day so you know if you want to go ahead and uh wear a hawaiian shirt and jeans
3: now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to victory brewing company Ron and
0: Bill, thank you again for joining us. We've got sour monkey in our glass now, so things yep, are already be back. already looking up here. So it's good times. Uh, Ron, we got a question for you. Bill, you can chime in too, but we're going to bug Ron all about uh, homebrewing here. And this is something probably you, you probably haven't talked about this in a long time. And a lot of brewery owners mentioned they don't get a chance to, or some don't even want to.
3: We talked to home some brew anymore.
0: They're like, no, nah, I get enough yeah. beer in my life, but. Ron, you homebrew, is that correct? Yes, I do.
2: And actually, that started because Bill gave me a gift of a homebrewing kit in 1985. 1985, uh, so, good times. So Bill does start the whole process by uh, getting me involved in homebrewing. What happened was, before we started Victory, when we were working at Baltimore Brewing Company and me at Old Brewing Company, I really lost interest in homebrewing at that time. And I really lost interest in homebrewing until probably 2017 or 18, when I just found that I just needed to get back into it. And so it was very normal for me to have absolutely zero interest in homebrewing for 25, 30 years. Right. Uh, yeah. But but I missed it, and, and I really realized that I missed it. And so I went headlong back into it and built a one hectoliter brewery, which is about 25-gallon batch size.
0: That's That's an impressive size. That's like when even we were brewing, that's like three months worth of brewing for us, Brian. So, (laughs) in one go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us about your brew house, Sarah? I mean, other than the size, how's your setup there?
2: Oh, it's really sweet. It's uh, it comes from Germany. It is the same system that is used by a couple breweries that operate in the Lake Constance area uh, of Germany, uh, in the region of Tetnong, where we buy a lot of hops and. There's a brewery manufacturer there that started off as a distillery maker. There's a lot of fruit brandies that are produced in that area. But then when the craft beer situation changed and became more popular in Germany about 10 years ago, they sort of deflected and started making more brew houses than stills. Uh, But they have a really nice brew house. What I really liked about it is it functions very similar to a professional small brewery. So it uses some of the same technologies and has the same capabilities. So I felt really comfortable when I saw that system. Okay, this is very similar to the system that both Bill and I learned how to brew on at Baltimore Brewing Company, which is a two-vessel system used for four different vessels as they two, each vessel gets used for multiple functions. So it, to me, it just felt like a professional system on a really small scale. And that's what appealed to uh, me about
0: it. You know, since you've told us about the fancy bells and whistles on your brew system, I think it's only fair oh. <laughs> that we share about our brew system, too. Oh, let's hear it. we have mentioned this a couple times. So I had a little woodworking shop in my garage, and a buddy asked me to help him build an aquarium stand, which he then abandoned. So our brew stand is half of an aquarium stand, that's unfinished right. aquarium stand. And our mash ton is a 48-quart igloo cooler. That's right, blue. Blue with a very large bass fishing scene stamped in relief in the front of the it. The bass
3: is very Love dynamically it. leaping out of the water, as I recall. Possibly eating it above. It's a, a above. very animated yes.
0: bass. And I'll tell you what, we've brewed award-winning beers out of our mm-hmm. cooler mash. there. Right. So, But you know what? That's something, seriously, guys, that's really great about homebrewing is, look, every homebrewer wants a system like you've got, Ron, a nice you know electric brew house. And I have friends who have very impressive brew houses. One of my buddies that ended up starting...
3: That's right. Variant
0: brewing. Yep. His basement was essentially a brew pub, you know, with a nice setup there. But you can start with a, a cooler and uh, or even a kettle if you want to go extract. You don't have to go fancy to start homebrewing, correct?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the best beers made on very crude systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, it all boils down to the ingredients and the process, and that has a lot to do with who's brewing. But You can make great beer in very simple systems, no doubt about that. I've always believed that. The thing for me was that as I was coming from, like, the pinnacle of great systems like we have in Hartzburg and Gag Town, that I couldn't step fully down to, like, the cooler style thing.
0: Get you a fish cooler, Ron. (laughs) Get you a
2: fish cooler. Did you see a fish
3: cooler? Because they are pretty sweet. I'm like, if you see them, it might change your mind.
2: I will have to try yes. now. If they had
3: a one
0: hectoliter fish cooler, He's then would be He's pulling he it out, putting nothing in. but big right. igloo coolers in right.
3: there. Uh,
4: <laughs> if he only had the jumping bass. Just so close. So it's so all jumping bass. <laughs> we would put four in parallel. Right? That's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We
0: can do this. We that's can true. do this.
4: Yeah. <laughs> what I love about his story, though, as well, is that we all, when we start homebrewing, we love the creation, the creation of a liquid that's pleasurable, the flavors that we're able to create. And we tend to experiment a lot, right, as home brewers. You don't have to replicate anything. And then you become a production brewer and you got to replicate. You got to make the same thing over and right. over and over right. again. And that in itself can be, you know, very fun in a way because it's, it's very direct and you're just part of the process. But I like the fact now that he's liberated to go back in time no one's setting his schedule and telling him what to brew right it's all what he wants to do absolutely yeah.
3: so what kind of beers are you brewing so right, right, right now ron
2: yeah. i'm a real fan of traditional beers and ipas so for instance i've brewed a Schwartz beer i brewed a whit beer i've brewed uh, an english extra special bitter I've brewed, one of my favorite beers to drink is a slightly strong Helles. So like in Bavaria or in, in South of Germany, they call it like an export Hell. So I've made several versions of that, being able to hit targets in terms of flavor. There's been a couple other ones. Bill and I were just discussing maybe doing a Hefeweizen together, because that's a beer that yep. uh, I know that Bill did at Baltimore Brewing Company. And we have a long history of drinking half of together, so it might be a classic one to to get us together again in the brew house.
4: Years later. It's a fun one to brew. brew
0: I like yeah, he- yeah. I like seeing half yeast go to work because that stuff will, that oh, really yeah. gets going. So that's a lot of fun. We actually have an interesting story about the heft that we brewed. We oh, that's right. When yeah. we brew a, a style that we're not familiar with, we'll go out and buy like a half dozen of the top rated ones and sample and take notes, Smart. and then. So we went through this whole day of drinking Hefeweizen's, and at the end of it, we're like, I don't think I like Hefeweizen's. <laughs> you know, I don't think I'm <laughs> yeah. not. And Brian's like, well, we're already into this. Let's go ahead and brew it. So we brewed it, and to make a long story short here, this ended up being one of the best beers we'd ever brewed. I would have friends come by my house, like, after dinner, knock on the door, like, hey, man, you got any more of that Hefeweizen on tap? You know, so it was. It
3: went so quickly, too.
0: That's yeah, it ended crazy up part. being just a phenomenal beer. That's a great
4: story. You transcended all those crappy Hefeweitz. We did, man. We did. We went right
0: on through that and And it ended up
3: being just a phenomenal beer. I like the fact that you two are getting together to collaborate on a beer that you've decided. It's the hef, right? That's it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I think that makes
4: sense
3: yeah what a great what a great story it's like you guys really haven't brewed together in so long and like oh hey we're working a brewery i've got a homebrew system let's do this again do you like beer
0: yeah i like beer beer.
4: (laughs) we'd get this done in may and have a beautiful hefeweizen in late june
0: see and that's it with the with the (laughs) vaccines and all coming into play then it'll be perfect timing it'll be ready for the barn party There you go. You will be good to go. It's going to be a good time. You know, we're about to take a break here. When we come back, I want to talk about 25 years of brewing. That's a big accomplishment, you know, some of the changes you've seen and just having a good time with it. So you are listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Victory Brewing.
4: Howdy season is here, and The Nest in Kennesaw, Georgia has plenty of outdoor space for you to enjoy a cold beer and some tasty barbecue. They've got 48 taps of great beer, wine, cider, and even hard seltzers, plus an impressive craft cocktail list, so there's something for everyone. If you're ready for some friendly competition, head over every Tuesday for trivia, or relax and take in the local talent with live music every Wednesday and Sunday. Enjoy the great weather while you can. Grab your friends and head to The Nest in Kennesaw, Georgia.
1: Follow the Beer Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
2: Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski condolences the bombs lost
3: now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show i want to give a quick shout out to one of our great radio affiliates kzwi hd4 94.9 fm and 106.3 fm in sheridan wyoming that's a lot to say in one it is yeah Yeah, congratulations that's right catch beer guys radio on kzwi every saturday at 10 a.m now let's get back to victory brewing company
0: Bill, I'm going to ask you this one because we just we let you drink last segment when we talked, Ron, to homebrew, so I hope you don't mind there. But Victory Brewing, 25 years this year. Is that correct?
4: That is correct.
0: So I looked back and I saw, and I'm, I'm probably going to misquote this, Ron, but I think you said when you founded the brewery that part of the reason you founded it was to give Americans a European beer quality and drinking experience or something along those lines. Is that correct?
4: Yeah, that's very correct. We saw our opportunity as displacing import beer in America because you know our advantage was we could deliver it fresher to our audience. So we had come, you know, from Germany with training, looking at traditional methods, traditional ingredients, and we felt that we could amplify those recipes for an American audience and take it for a ride.
3: I remember that import was such the big thing when you went into a place What do they have on the import list before craft was happening? So that makes a lot of sense. So that focus, that seems like that's a dated focus now. So what is your focus at this time now in the modern era, 25 years later?
4: Great observation. Yeah, it is a dated focus. But the fact of the matter is by cultivating an audience that appreciated these forays into flavor, we have been able to work with them at our tap rooms and learn from them what they desire, what they're interested in. And they have really liberated us to have almost creative, you know, full creative reign to take them in new places. So even though it may seem like we were a little bit encumbered by that philosophy, really what it was was by turning them on to something new, they gave us the opportunity to take them even further in a flavor journey.
0: So looking at 25 years ago and today, did you see or predict 25 years ago where the American beer scene would be in 2021?
4: No, as a matter of fact, uh, gosh, a few years back when we were producing some delicious gozas, I just kind of had like one of those holy cow moments where I'm like, I am putting sour German beer in cans and people are buying tons of it. This is unexpected. Right. Is just I never thought I would see this. And Crazy so, stuff. Again, I think it's a very collaborative situation we had with our audience. They dug what we were creating, and they encouraged us to do more. So we just took that creative rein and allowed it to go further. You know, who says no to opportunity?
3: True,
0: true. You know, when we talked to Dan Shelton, and he was talking about bringing Canteon over to the States and how he had accounts that would tell him, you need to come get this beer, you need to come get this keg, this is bad. And he's like, no, it's not. No, it isn't. And just, you know, that he kept fighting for it to yeah. be there, and now it is what it is today. And I don't know if this is true. This is internet rumors, Brian, which yeah. are are fun to spread. They're 100% true, they're true every time. But I heard that the American beer scene was a big part for the survival and kind of the revival of Cantillon and those other, you know, gooses and lambics and such. So it was the... American beer nerds passion to drink them.
4: I think you're right about that. I mean, you know, if you look at this room of folks talking, we all bought a lot of those beers just to get inspired and enjoy them. And, you know, that was at a down moment for those breweries. They were losing share at the time.
3: So even with the adjustments we've made in terms of what we're into drinking, what we're making, are there still gems in the European beer scene that we have yet to discover and really fully embrace here?
4: That's a great question. I can't identify one right now, but, you know, going back to your question about how is it different what we do today than when, you know, when we first started for me, beer is pretty simple. It's got to deliver two things. It's got to deliver comfort and excitement. And those, those two things may seem as if they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. You can have the excitement of a great hop aroma and bouquet and a prima pills but it can deliver you to a place that's infinitely comfortable by the end uh, where Absolutely. you, you know, sure. what, by the time you finish it. And so I think that in that respect, victory really hasn't wavered. We look to produce all of our beers with a certain balance of both excitement and comfort.
0: You know speaking of that, we could talk all about it i we could do four shows and talk about the last twenty five years of craft beer easily. <laughs> But speaking of victory beers, one that we're drinking here has a really good mission behind it, really tasty beer, brotherly love. So can you tell us about this beer and kind of what it represents?
4: It not only represents our next iteration of Hazy IPA, where we felt it was important to actually put a little bit of hop firmness back into the style that had gotten a little bit too flaccid in terms of its 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 hop structure overall, not to complain. But we saw an opportunity to bring a little bit more IPA back into Hazy IPA. But we also recognized, especially through this past year, that even though our beer is not necessarily consumed by everybody in our regional footprint, we all interact with a larger community that should also share in sort of the benefits of the beer itself. And so Brotherly Love gave us a chance to focus in on the name and have a greater impact on the community that we participate in.
3: So that kind of coincides with uh, the establishment of the Brotherly Love Community Fund, right? And uh, that the whole mission behind that,
4: yes? Yes. So in my experience, in our experience, we've always seen that beer is sort of like a, a common meeting point. Um, people who share a beer tend to find common ground, relate with one another better. And so we just want to take that dynamic and see if a packaged product could bring communities together to cooperate more so. And so we've put our investment into it in order to, to get this started. And we have a tremendous collaboration working with a partner organization called Back on My Feet that we're really keen on. And that's sort of our first proving ground for what brotherly love could, could mean in terms of a, uh, a societal impact.
3: So I read that you were actually looking to with the the back of my feet it combats homelessness and you're looking to raise 25,000 in 2021 to uh, combat homelessness, correct? That's the goal.
4: That's the goal. You know, it's perhaps a drop in the bucket, but it's meaningful to us and I think, you know, we have enough of a uh, a position in the community to we might influence more people to understand the value of this participation. Back of my feet is really a tremendous situation and and organization. Originally founded in Philadelphia, I believe they're up to 17 chapters nationally at this point. And it's one-on-one mentoring with someone who has unfortunately found themselves within a homeless shelter, probably a unique and terrible situation for this individual. And with one-on-one mentoring and the challenge of running some real active participation, They help people rebuild their lives back into employment and home ownership.
0: That's great. It's great to see these organizations that that represent. I'm actually going to use this opportunity to shout out one of our friends, Bottle Share, Uh, started by a gentleman. He was a bartender at a local brewery and was hit by a drunk driver leaving Mm -hmm. from work and uh, was very seriously injured. He started Bottle Share, and Bottle Share helps those in the craft beverage industry, you know, just gives them a hand up when they're having a tough time, Fantastic organization, and he's got a great story of just resilience. You yeah, know, of, seriously, of going back yeah. there. So
3: that's what he does full time. Yeah. It's so edit- shout
0: out to Bottle Share, great Do- organization. Beer
3: doing man. good. So it's a uh, beer with purpose, I believe is the right. uh, the slogan that Victory uh, has on their website. Beer with purpose, too.
0: and that's something that we see. Bill breweries are really big into that. I mean, if you're not into the craft beer scene, you think a brewery is just about beer. But every brewery I know has some kind of community involvement. That's right. A give back plan, you know, whether it's structured or informal, the, they all give back to their communities. Why is that such a important and big thing with
4: breweries? Beer is the most social product created, right? So, I mean, it's a clear opportunity to connect with the communities and have dialogues because beer creates dialogues.
0: Sounds like a good yeah, good excuse to me. I mean, the dialogue we've had here has just created
4: wonderful things. Today, <laughs> That's <right. so. laughs> yes. That's <good laughs> well, stuff. you're drinking Sour Monkey, aren't you? We want We're to hear doing about okay,
0: man. We're doing okay. Yeah, you know what? we got to take a break. We're going to talk about today's Sour Monkey, and we'll actually compare it to a vintage Vintage bottle. Sour so Monkey, yes. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back very soon with more from Victory Brewing.
3: Don't overlook
1: the cheap stuff.
3: That's the idea behind our podcast, Good Swill Hunting.
1: We've got a beer insider, a beer outsider, and a guy who's going to shoot it to you straight. We try it all.
3: Some ain't bad.
1: I would, I'm going to finish this, and I'll drink another. Matt, what do you think? I'm, I'm digging it. Others might leave a bad taste in your mouth. It feels like beer for people who want to feel like they're drinking craft beer. sipping pressure. Yeah, it's a letdown. It's not something I would want to wake up with. Is that something you normally do? I like to have a cold beer. It kind of rinse out that morning breath. Oh, okay. We
0: try the cheap beer so you don't have to. Check out Good Swill Hunting wherever you get your podcast.
1: beer guys on facebook twitter and instagram roger roger what's our victory victor
3: now back to the beer guys radio show welcome back to the beer guys radio show if you enjoy the show please consider supporting us on patreon just go to patreon.com slash beer guys patrons get cool perks like beer guys swag and commercial free episodes now let's get back to victory brewing company
0: bill ron we are doing we're doing science over here right now and we have the fresh sour monkey and we broke out Brian's vintage bottle 2015 right 15, Brian
3: yes april of 2015
0: now you at home listening to the radio or podcast you can't see this but the first thing we noticed is uh and you said this is pretty common bill that the vintage sour monkeys get considerably darker correct
4: as well as the golden monkey as they well get, as the yeah. golden
0: monkey okay all right so that is something that we we saw here you know considerable difference there nice definitely uh, oh yeah nice color so i'm going to give my impressions of the new one it's light it's got a light, nice tartness to it, very drinkable sour. It's not going to knock your
3: teeth out. A very friendly sour. Very yes. friendly.
0: With the vintage one, I get a stone fruit and honey on the nose, and I made it a note being pretentious that it's like the center part of an unripened peach mm-hmm. is the stone fruit that I get. I get notes of kind of a mixed holiday spice, like maybe a little clovey, cinnamony, nutmeggy kind of thing, and then the honey and some dark fruits in there too, maybe a little raisin note to it. So that is my assessment of vintage Sour Monkey,
3: Brian. All right. That's very thorough. And I thought that my initial thoughts were something slightly old library about it. And the spices you mentioned, along with a little bit of the raisin, is kind of, I think, what I was thinking about. When you put all that together, I'm like, I get that old library vibe. Sometimes it comes with some oxidation, but
0: it really doesn't. In the best way possible. Yeah, but in this
3: case, I don't even really get it the oxidation, even in the best way possible, unless it is that raisin component that's in there. A little bit of honey, you know, it's
0: it's very nice. So Bill, we want to know, what do you look for when you're drinking some of your vintage Sour Monkeys?
4: I'm probably not the best person to answer this because I often keep beers much longer than I should in the name of science. Sure. Absolutely. Where where this process ends up, because, you know, you can appreciate things that you may want to seek to avoid in the future. What I don't want to see is too much oxidation because then we've got issues that we should be addressing on the packaging side. But other than that, I, you know, I'm looking for flaws. And in general, I don't find flaws in our vintage aged beers. So I just quickly change to sit back, reflect, and enjoy what it's become. There you go. That's a good way to do it.
3: Seriously, yeah. When you've got a, a situation like this where it has evolved in a very nice way, that's all you can do. I mean, right. Just- Take a moment and enjoy what you have.
0: That's it, Brian. In life and in beer. That's right. Yes. And when we, yeah.
4: And When we installed our body line capability to do the corked and cage beers, that's exactly what we were looking for. We wanted to create an interactive product where when we released it, it was good to go. You could enjoy it that day. Yet at the same time, you could choose to do what Brian did, hang on to it, right. wait for it to become something else. People poked fun at me. It sounded like a salesman statement, but I'm like, if you think you're going to like it, buy three of them. Drink one six yeah. months. From today, and if it's improving, then let it go for a year and drink the next one. And if you still think it's improving, let the third one go till whenever. But if at any moment you feel like it's you know not improving to your taste, just end the process and invite a buddy over and drink the beer.
0: Drink them all. So what is the oldest beer that you've drank and enjoyed?
4: Uh, I had a very memorable 1997 Storm King Stout like three years ago. Okay, but that's oh, a wow. beer that's very durable.
0: Yeah, Ron, how about you? What's the oldest one you've pulled out and been able to enjoy?
2: I agree. Mine would also have been a Storm King. I'm not sure if it was a 97 or a 99, but Storm King holds up really well. All those dark roast malts and the and the hops that make it really good. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian here. Uh-oh. And Bill probably knows this as I'm winding up, but I've always really appreciated fresh beer. and Sure. not okay. I don't really... Lay down beer much at all because I almost always prefer fresh. So it's a pretty rare beer that I'm gonna lay down because I'm just really a fan of freshness. I, I think I'm quite sensitive to the to the flavors of oxidation and knowing what I know as a brewmaster, I just don't like the idea of oxidation at all. So I always have sort of had a bias towards fresh beer. That being said, I've had some great aged beers. But generally, I prefer French beer.
0: You know, and I think even with craft beer, guys, that the fad for—I don't know if I want to call it a fad. I don't think cellarings quite as big as it was. It
3: was huge about right. five because, to eight years ago, I think. I think, think when yeah. craft
0: beer yeah. started really booming and people realized you could cellar beer, they cellared everything. Like, I've got probably 25% of my cellar is beers I wish I'd never cellared. Oh, yes. You know, and I'm like, man, right. okay, what am I going to do with these? We've actually got the empty bottle here in the studio— we went down to the anniversary party at the Porter Beer Bar here in Atlanta, and we had a 1999 uh, Dre Fonten and Oud Goose. And we had it next to a bottle of the fresh, and it was so cool to see the similarities as well as the difference mm. that 20 years can make in the beer. So,
3: Spoiler the 20 was better. <laughs> you know, it was different. I think the 20 was a little more so. Yeah, it I think was, it was, good, was a little though. bit better. We, yeah. we
0: enjoyed the experience, and I think we were there with friends. Pre-pandemic, so we're all there. Yeah. We got to share it with people around the table with us and all that. So it's just all around a good time.
4: We're talking about beer, like, with a very broad brush stroke, right? When we're sure. talking yeah. about fresh, like, pilsner's I mean, who's aged a Pilsner? That's a terrible idea. The, the, the I Damon, have accidentally. You know, good, yeah. <laughs> better idea. So we can be very style-specific. You're what right. Should right. And what right. shouldn't happen.
0: I think I may accidentally have some vintage American Light Lagers in my garage that <laughs> that I probably didn't mean to do there. So
3: I'm really curious about with the change of color. It's to be expected. What causes that change of color? Is is that the oxidative process, or is that something happening with the actual bacteria that's active in these beers?
2: Uh, it's definitely an oxidation process. It's specifically melanoidinization. So it's basically a melanoidin reaction that happens very slowly, but given years, it happens. Any cool. beer, Generally,
4: any beer will do that. Yeah, that's certainly not the Brett, so Ron's explanation is spot on.
0: More science, man. That's it's right. Good
3: stuff. I was curious. I had no idea.
0: Now, gentlemen, 25 years of victory brewing. Uh, I know one of your slogans is brew forward. Ron, we'll start with you. You're looking into a crystal ball. What's happening with craft beer in 25 years from now, or what would you like to see happening 25 years from now?
2: Wow. Right. Uh, right. Based, based on what I've seen happen in 25 years, I would be crazy to speculate on what's gonna be 25 years from now. I hope sincerely that beer is still a mainstream beverage, and I hope that its diversity is celebrated. I hope that you could still get an American premium lager and a good German craft beer and a good American IPA, and who knows what'll be invented between now and then. With seltzers coming on and taking a pretty big bite out of the, the market share, especially of domestic light beer, I do fear a little bit that we're losing a little bit of an audience to beer from beer to something other than good beer. But at the same time, the innovation that that's afforded a lot of breweries is really actually in the long run good for the diversity of beer so okay i didn't answer yeah, your question you. because i can't answer. i know it's a it's a tricky no one.
0: well bill how about you is there anything that you would like to see or uh i personally think it's all going to be pastry stouts and seltzers
3: pastry seltzers
0: i think pastry seltzers i think, I think is what we'll see 25 years pastry from now Seltzer. that'll wow. be it
4: so. yeah. <laughs> well i'm going to go out on a limb and predict the demise of cans
0: are we oh, going, really? are we going capri yeah. sun with it
4: Well, yeah, exactly. We're going to be in zero gravity environments because we'll have, you know, made such a mess of this planet that we're going to be, you know, squeezing this delicious barley juice in our mouths in zero gravity environments somewhere up above we're ready and for it
3: they already put some beers in bladders or bags right. or ba- box sure. like Franzia style you know well, that's for and gooses I,
0: and i'm not sure is friendly there so our still goose days are coming Brian. still oh still, still lambic and, still and gooses. goose yeah i think we're coming up there so yeah well, okay here let's see this one may be a little easier what are we going to see from victory in the next year
4: wow in the next year well we, ron and i have a collaborative beer that's coming out in the third quarter uh, to kick off the third quarter that we're pretty excited about. You want to tell them about Brewmaster's Union?
2: Yes. The background is that, you know, we have Hop Devil, which was the first beer we ever brewed and was one of the first three that were released when we opened. It's struggled over the last few years because it started off as an East Coast IPA, so to speak, and it remained so. And as we know, that's not the most popular style of beer currently. So we got to thinking like, well, it was really innovative at the time. So then the premise of this beer is what if Bill and Ron were 30 somethings as we were back then today, and we were to start a brewery and wanted to make an IPA, what would that look like? And so it has some of the spirit of hop devil, but it's quite different liquid because we have more access to more interesting hops than we did. We have an audience that is more receptive to intensity of flavor, and so that's the premise.
0: Well, that sounds like a good one to look out for. Gentlemen, we are out of time here. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out what is coming up with Victory Brewing, Bill, where's the best place for them to go?
4: Victorybeer.com. There we go. true for 25 years. Easy enough.
0: You've got it. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show. For more crafter info, follow us online. We are Beer Guys Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure to tune in with us next week. We're going to get crazy, Brian. We're talking to Hoplark. We're going to talk about... Hop teas and hop water. Which aren't even beer.
3: What? That's madness.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week. And don't forget to drink local. Cheers.